Good morning. It has uh, been a pleasure to worship together this morning. Uh, it's, uh, the Spirit has moved among us, um, and uh, it's just, uh, you, can, you can sense His presence among us, and I'm excited about that. That's always a great thing when you come to worship and you realize, hey, people are happy to be there. You know, it's a bummer when you get there and everybody's like, hey, church, woo, you know, that's a bummer. Uh, and so, you know, you know, like I said earlier, it's summertime, we've got a lot of people traveling, but you would not know it based on worship so far this morning. And that's a God thing, and I praise Him for that. That's all I'm excited about that. If you got your Bible, go ahead and open to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, that's where we're going to be for the remainder of our time this morning. Last week, we began a new sermon series titled, Give Me Jesus. And as I said last week, there are a lot of voices that are competing for our attention in our world today. Yes or no? And they come from all over the place. Uh, some of them are good. Some of them might be your family or your friends or a co-worker that really is someone you trust that's really an uplifting individual, and they just pour life into you, and they pour encouragement into you. And that's so encouraging to have people like that in our lives. Yes or no? Absolutely. But then there are other voices, maybe from a family member, from a co-worker, from a, a neighbor or a friend that is not so encouraging, and the things that they say, they just sort of bring you down. And that's not a great thing. But then there are... Then there are voices that are outside, that are kind of coming in, they're externally communicating, you hear them in the media, you see them in our entertainment venues, and a lot of the stuff that they have to say is not good either. And it is stuff that wants to drive us away from Jesus, to point us away from where He is trying to lead us, and it's in the, the climate of all of these voices that I think more than anything, as I'm trying to figure out how to go through my life, as I'm trying to navigate my way through this always changing world, always changing society, the thing that, that I need to say in my life more than anything is just, God, please give me Jesus. Give me Jesus above everything else, above all of these other voices, above all of these other influences, God, let me hear the voice of Jesus louder than any other voice. And here's the thing that I've learned about hearing the voice of Jesus is that often I have to quiet everything else in order to hear Him. I have to quiet the other influences that are going on in my life so that I can, I can hear Him speaking. Last week as we opened up this series, we went to Luke chapter 4 and Jesus is in His hometown of Nazareth. And he goes to his home synagogue there to, to, to preach for the first time. And he pulls out the scroll of Isaiah and he unrolls it. And it is while he is there that he gives the people his five-fold mission of what he is there to do. He said, uh, he, said he came to uh, proclaim good news to the poor. He came to his free recovery of sight of the blind, to, to free the oppressed and to Proclaim the year in the favor of the Lord, that, that year of, of jubilee. 
And then remember, as he continued to teach, things kind of turned on him, and they ended up driving him out of town and and trying to, to pitch him over a cliff. Things did not go well when they were listening to his to his teaching, but it wasn't his time yet. You know, and often that is the reaction to the teachings of Jesus. Why is that? It's because they're difficult. They're not real easy, and more than anything, they are very often challenging. And that's what we're trying to do over the next few weeks. We're trying to follow behind Jesus as closely as we can and take a look at His teachings. And what we're going to realize is that sometimes it is not easy. Because following Christ is not an easy decision. Uh, Anybody that's been a follower of Jesus for any amount of time, is it easy to always follow Him? It's very difficult. Because often, what Jesus calls us to, and what society is accepting and saying this is the way to live, are often two very different things. Am I right? Absolutely. But what we want to do, we want to be the people that say, okay, above everything else, Lord, give me Jesus. That's what I need. That is who is going to help me govern my life. And so today as we come to Luke chapter 6, we're looking at Luke's version of the Sermon on the Mount. It's a little different from Matthew's version. Luke does in one chapter what takes Matthew three chapters, which means that there's some stuff missing, but you get the same basic idea of what, what Jesus is, is trying to say. And it is, it's through this, this, this chapter, this teaching that we're going to look at, that Jesus is showing us how to live and how to function in the world today. At the beginning of the chapter, uh, he's healed somebody on the Sabbath, and then he has called his his twelve, his apprentices, his helpers, his apostles, and he is bringing them along in ministry, and they're going to be joining him, and in just a few years, they are going to be the ones who are going to carry the message of Jesus to the entire world. And it's because Jesus selected these guys, and because these guys trusted in Jesus, and because these guys carried the message into the world, that we sit here today. We sit here as a result, as a, as a benefit of the great work that those apostles did long ago when they chose to carry the message of Jesus throughout the world oftentimes, every time with the exception of one, costing them their life so that we can can have the message of of Jesus. And so as we go through these these 29 verses, we're going to see that Jesus is showing us how to live and function in the world today. And He's going to challenge us in four different areas. And when I say challenge, I mean it's going to be challenging. Okay, It is going to be challenging for how we live our life because it is so counterculture to what society says. He's going to challenge us in our circumstances. He's going to challenge us in our dealings with others and more specifically, our dealings with others that we don't get along with, our enemies. He's then going to raise it another notch. And he's going to say, look, if you're going to do that, if you're going to deal with others, you first have to deal with yourself. And we have to do some self-examination and make sure that 
that, that, that we are following Jesus as closely as we can. And then finally, he's going to raise the bar another notch. And he's going to say, before you can deal with others, before you uh, challenge yourself, you've got to make sure you are following me very close. And so that's what we're going to talk about today as we get into this, this teaching of Jesus. Today we're talking about the absurd, the absurd kingdom of Jesus. It's because it is so backwards to the way the world says things ought to be. So let's just start reading verse 20. And these will sound real familiar to us. It's, it's the condensed version or Luke's version of the Beatitudes. Then looking up at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, because the kingdom of God is yours. Blessed are you who are hungry now, because you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, because you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you, insult you, and slander your name as evil because of the, the Son of Man. Jesus is talking about circumstances right here. In, in this day and age, as for many of us, life was, was very difficult. It was very difficult. Why? Because Jesus, how do we know? Because He's addressing these things. He's saying, look, I know some of you are poor. I know that some of you are hungry. I know that some of you are weeping, that some of you are, are hated and excluded because of, of me. I recognize that your, your circumstances are, are difficult. And what Jesus is saying to them is, look, trust in me. What they needed and what they discovered they needed most was not so much a, a change in circumstances, but a continued trust and a continued relationship with, with Jesus. You see, and it's when we have that kind of trust with Jesus, He can change our outlook on life. Yes, life might be tough. Yes, we might have things that cause us pain and, and, and sorrow. But Jesus says, if you've got that stuff going on in your life, hang on. You're, you're going to be blessed. You see, and this is the, this is the, the radical, upside-down code of Jesus. Those who are poor are the ones who are going to be blessed. Those who are hungry are Blessed. Those who weep and have, have sorrow in their lives, those are the ones who are going to be blessed. Those who are cut off and, and, and hated and have evil things said about them, those are the ones that are going to be blessed. He's saying your, your circumstances right now, they may not be great. But 23, rejoice in that day. And leap for joy. Take note, your reward is great in heaven. You see, and here's the thing. If we are, are followers of Jesus, if we are going to claim the name of Christ, if we are going to be the people who are the followers of Christ Jesus, then not only is it our job to hold on during difficult circumstances, not necessarily... Pray that God change all of our circumstances, but give us the strength to, to live through our circumstances faithfully. If we're going to do that, then we also have to be the people that take the kingdom of God into those bad circumstances. 
Does that make sense? It is our job to bring the kingdom of heaven into the lives of people who are poor, who are hurting, who are hungry, who are weeping, who are cut off and dejected. It is our job as the followers of Christ to do whatever we can to help bring the kingdom of God into these people's lives. Are you with me? That is, that is one of the things that Jesus is, is calling us to. Then he goes on in 24 and he says, But woe to you who are rich because you've received your comfort. Woe to you who are full now because you'll be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now because you will mourn and, and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you because this is the way their ancestors used the false prophets and you're tempted to go wait a minute Jesus why is it a woe to me to laugh why is it a woe to me to, to have good things and, and comfort in my life what are you trying to say and it's not that he's saying that these things are, are inherently bad but what Jesus is trying to get us to grasp is that what the world values Jesus does not often value does that make sense and what Jesus values, the world doesn't often value. Does that make sense? He's not saying that these things are inherently wrong. But the warning is this. If we spend all of our time, all of our effort, all of our energy on making sure we're completely comfortable and we have all of these great things, what Jesus is saying is you can do that. You can pour all that time and all that effort and all that energy into that and that can be your main focus on your life but that's all there's going to be does that make sense you can focus on those things but if that is your supreme focus well then that's 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 fine but that's all there's going to be don't let your life be boiled down to just to those kinds of things because there are more important matters if you're going to be my follower. You see, when it comes to our circumstances in life, whether they're, whether they're good or bad, when it comes to the circumstances in our lives, we need to make sure that we are the people who value what Jesus values. Does that make sense? If you're with me, say, yeah. Yeah. We need to make sure that we value we value what Jesus values. Well, then he transitions. And he begins to challenge us in the way that we deal with others. And man, I'm going to tell you, this is the part right here where it gets really difficult. It gets, it gets really tough right here. 27, he says, But I say to you who listen. In other words, you may not like what's coming, but heads up. I say to you who listen, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you and bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If anyone hits you on the cheek, offer the other also. And if anyone takes away your coat, don't hold back your shirt either. Give to everyone who asks from you. And from one who takes away your things, don't ask for them back. Just as you want others to do for you, do the same for them. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. 
If you do what is good to those to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even the sinners lend to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do what is good and lend expecting nothing in return. Then, then your reward will be great. And you will be sons and daughters of the Most High. For He is gracious to the ungrateful and evil be merciful just as your your father is merciful that's a difficult reading isn't it that's not easy because loving my enemies is not really the first thing on my mind when I wake up and especially when they do stuff to reinforce that they are my enemies you know what I'm talking about when they remind me why they're my enemies yes I love you brother no, that's not how I live. Okay, and chances are probably good you don't live that way either because we're human and it's difficult to love somebody who wrongs us. Right? But there's two principles that are in play here. You see it in, uh, in verses 31 and 36. The first is this, that if, if we are going to be the people that say, give me Jesus, and the people that follow in His footsteps, then we must treat others the way we want to be treated. Right? Who wants grace in here? Who wants mercy? Who wants forgiveness and compassion and understanding? Some of you are not raising your hands. That's making me wonder about you. All right? I'm just wondering. Hey, like I see everything from up here. Okay? I see it all. Y'all, 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 half of you don't even know what took place in the back of the auditorium a few minutes ago. But I see it all. If we want all of those things, we have to give and extend all of those things. That's, that's kind of the deal. That's kind of the trade-off. Okay? And, and, and Jesus is going to, to say that in just a few more minutes. That's sort of the trade-off. If we want forgiveness, well, guess what? We have to forgive. Okay? And so we must treat others the way we want them to be treated. Now then, I know none of you have ever messed up before. Right? I'm sure I'm the only one in here. That is messed up. I'm the only one. And so let me just go ahead and tell you when I mess up, okay, the way I want to be treated is I don't want somebody to come and just blow my doors in, okay? I want you to come to me lovingly. I want you to come to me honestly. Now, I want you to tell me the truth, and I want you to show me where I, where I am wrong, but I want you to do it in love, and I want you to rebuke me the way that you're supposed to. I want you to instruct me and lead me back to a, a closer way with Jesus, okay? I don't want you to come in kicking my doors down and telling me what a rotten, nasty sinner I am, okay? Chances are that you're probably the same way, right? Probably the same way. We have to treat others, especially when it's dealing with things that are going on in their life. We have to treat them in the same way, okay? Um, I was looking through my Bible this morning. I just ran across this quote from... Uh, uh, Rick Warren, he says, uh, you're never persuasive when you're abrasive. Respect your hearers. And he quoted uh, Psalm 16, verse 21. Pleasant words promote instruction. You know, and that's how we should, we should deal with people. And so that's the first principle that's in play. The second one is this. We must imitate our Father in heaven. 
and be merciful. And man, that's, man, that's tough, isn't it? To imitate our Father, to be merciful, because I'm going to be honest with you again, my gut reaction, core reaction, first response, whatever it is, when, when somebody wrongs me, my first response is not to be merciful. Okay? That's not my, my first response if I'm, if I'm being completely honest. But Jesus says that's how we must deal with people. Okay? He says you want to you love people, that's great. But here's the thing. If you're loving the people that you love only, who cares? Everybody does that. Okay, it's easy to love the people that you love, right? It's easy to love the lovable, am I right? He says that's no big deal. Everybody does that. You really want to, to live countercultural to the world, show people what Jesus means? You go and you love the people that are hard to love. That's when you really start showing love, okay? That's what a, a follower of Jesus does. We love those that are unlovable. Now then, Surely, I'm not the only person that has an unlovable person in my life, right? Or am I? We all do. We all have people in our lives that are difficult to deal with, that we might even count as, as enemies. We have to love them too. As, as difficult as that is, we must, we must love them. Here again, this is the, this is the, the upside-down way of the kingdom of Jesus. Look at what N.T. Wright says. He says, The kingdom that Jesus preached and lived was all about a glorious, uproarious, absurd generosity. Think of the best thing that you can do for the worst person and go and do it. That's tough, isn't it? As I'm talking... Probably, whoever that person or persons are in your life has, has come to the surface. Okay, You know who it is. You know who that person or that group or, or whatever, you know who it is, the person that knows how to push your buttons, that knows how to, to set you off. Everybody got that person in their mind? Now then, think about the best possible thing that you could do for yourself. And then go and do that for them. Whew, that's tough, isn't it? That's, that's, that's heavy, isn't it? But that's what Jesus is calling, to, calling us to, to love people that are our enemies. That's what this, this backwards, upside-down kingdom of, uh, of Jesus is about. We are to love our enemies. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. You look at his life and the people that tried to kill him, the people that had all these disagreements with him, that, tried to, that, that ran him out of town, the people that hung him on the cross, he still loved them, didn't he? Hanging on the cross after they had put him on on the cross, what does he pray? Father, what? Forgive them. Why? Because they don't know what they're doing. You know, maybe that's, maybe that's something that we need to keep in mind. Not just the forgiveness, but recognizing the fact that maybe 
the people that we're dealing with, maybe they're not fully aware of the circumstances. Maybe they don't know what they're doing in the sense of what Jesus calls us to. But maybe they, maybe they do. Well, in verse 37, he continues and he says, Do not judge, for you, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, running over, will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. As much condemnation that we give out, that's the same measure that's going to be coming back to us. As much unforgiveness as we give out, that's the same measure of unforgiveness that's going to come back to us. That's, that's the way of society. That's the way of the world. That says you don't have to forgive. If somebody wronged you, you step on them and you put them in your rearview mirror and you don't worry about it. Don't worry about them. You do what you have to do to take care of yourself. That's the way of the world. The way Jesus says is, no, it's not about that. If you're going to follow me, you need to forgive. And the way that you forgive, that measure, the measure you choose will be used to measure you. That's heavy, isn't it? But this is, this is what Jesus is, is calling us to. What he's saying is, you know, we will reap what we sow in the amount we sow it. If we judge, we'll be judged. If we condemn, we'll be condemned. But if we forgive, we will be forgiven. How much? A good measure pressed down. You know what that means? So you can get more in the cup. Right? Those of you who bake, you get that. Okay? You know. Okay? A good measure. Scoop it up. Pack it down. Get as much in there as possible. Okay? A good measure pressed down, shaken together, and still running over. The measure you use in grace, mercy, forgiveness, or hatred, condemnation and unforgiveness that will be measured to you here's the thing we get to choose how much and the measure we choose we don't only choose it for other people we choose it for ourselves and so that's what jesus is challenging us to when it comes to dealing with others well then it's like he raises the bar as if that wasn't hard enough already and he raises the bar he says, but now you've got to focus on yourself and you've got to do self-examination. And in, in 39 through 45, that's kind of what he's talking about. He's dealing with the self. And when you, when you read through there, it sort of sounds like a, a series of just sort of disconnected sayings, kind of just all strung together, but they're really a reminder that we must evaluate ourselves against God's standards. Okay, what is the most tempting thing to do? When it comes to evaluating myself, you know, what I've, you know what the easiest thing for me to do is? Find somebody who I deem to be inferior to me. It, doesn't that make sense? 
It's easy for me to evaluate myself based on somebody else that I deem to be struggling more than me. And when I do that, what happens? Well, I elevate myself. Doesn't it? And man, that's unhealthy. Okay? Now then, there's another side of that coin as well. It is also easy for me to evaluate myself against somebody who I deem to be very superior to me. And then I end up saying, well, man, I can never do that. I can never live up to this. I'll never be as good as this. And that can be just as unhealthy. The standard is Jesus. We have to lay our lives up to, uh, next to, to Jesus' life, and that's how we begin to, to evaluate ourselves. Jesus says in verse 39, told him a parable, and he says, Can the blind lead the blind? Won't they both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. In other words, we, we can't lead where we haven't been. Okay, and I think this is also kind of a warning against pride. Um, you know, nothing blinds us like pride. You know? And so Jesus is saying, look, you need to learn from, from me. You need to learn my ways. If you're going to deal with others, let me teach you first. And he says, why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but don't notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, brother, let me, let me, take, let me take the speck out of your eye when you yourself don't see the log in your eye? Hypocrite. First take the log out of your eye, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your, out of your brother's eye. You see, there's, there's nothing wrong with trying to help someone remove something painful from, from their lives. In fact, I, I think we're called to do that. Okay, that's what, what cross-bearing is. That's what, what helping others bear a burden is about. But we have to make sure that we can see what we're doing before we do it. You know what I'm talking about? In other words, we have to make sure that we have examined our own life before we start trying to fix the lives of others. We have to make sure that Jesus has disciplined and corrected and brought us into alignment with Him before we start to try to do those things to other people. How do we know that? Because if you've got a log in your eye, and this is just classic overstatement of Jesus, if you've got a log in your eye, well, what's the idea that Jesus is trying to communicate? You're blind. Can the blind lead the blind? If you try to do that, you become a, a hypocrite and you can't lead anybody. That's why Jesus says a, 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 a student is not above the master. We need to learn from Jesus first. We need to let him be our teacher and our guide. Let him show us the way. Let him help us remove that log from our own eye. Then, only then, are we in a position to go and help others the way that we should? We cannot, I, 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 think about this, there is no way we can love our enemies with a big log sticking out of our eye. 
Does that make sense? And just to carry the metaphor a little further, if I've got a gigantic log sticking out of my eye and I'm trying to help him, when I get close, what am I going to do? I'm going to hit him in the face with it. Does that make sense? Jesus is, is, is saying, <laughs> I think he's saying, get your, get your house in order. He, he kind of becomes the, the psychologist here. You know, this is, a, uh, this is what psychologists refer to as, as projection. Where I've got stuff going on in my life that is bad, but in order to cover that up, I'm going to scream out at your life is. So that the heat is now projected onto you instead of me. Does that make sense? And I know when I've been in that position, you know what? Whatever I had going on in my life was always really bad. And to use a, a, a bad example of what I just talked about, it's worse than what's going on in somebody else's life. Does that make sense? We have to let Jesus guide us through this. And it's not easy. I mean, it's not easy to, to navigate this stuff. He says a good tree doesn't produce bad fruit. On the other hand, a bad tree doesn't produce good fruit. That makes sense. For each tree is known by its own fruit. Figs aren't gathered from thorn bushes or grapes from a bramble bush. A man produces good out of the good storeroom of his heart. A man produces evil out of the evil storeroom. For his mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. Now, granted, we all have bad days. And we all say stuff that we shouldn't say. Let, I mean, we, we can acknowledge that. But if our life is to generally say negative things or post negative things, okay, if our life is to be discouraging, is to uh, gossip, to be hateful, to be slanderous of people, that's an indication that there is something else going on inside. Okay, that's an indication of, of darkness in the heart. Does that make sense? But if our life is about being uplifting and encouraging, if our life is about speaking life words instead of words of death to people, if our life is about bringing people up and picking people up and, and speaking the words of Jesus, that's also a pretty good indicator of what's going on in the heart. You see, and that's the kind of... You, you, if you've got all that bad stuff going on, if you're producing that bad fruit, guess what? You're not in any position to take a, a speck out of somebody's eye. You're not, you've not grasped the Master's teachings yet. But if you're uplifting, if you're encouraging, if you're gently bringing people along, then maybe, yeah, you're in a position to do that because you have listened to Jesus' teachings. You've let Jesus show you the blind spots in your own life and he's removed them and now you're in a position to, to go and help others. And so we have to be mindful of the things that we say. We have to be mindful of the things that we do. Am I right? Okay, we can, you know, I mean, and, and man, there's a lot of crazy stuff. John alluded to it. There's a lot of crazy stuff going on in our world. Okay? There's a lot of craziness going on in our world. 
And when, before we get cranked up and start blasting the world for being the world, we have to make sure that we are right with Jesus first. Does that make sense? We have to make sure we are right with Jesus. Otherwise, we become a hypocrite. We are the blind leading the blind, and we're going to fall off in the ditch. We have to let Jesus remove the bad stuff from our life first. And then finally, he challenges, challenges us to, uh, or he challenges us in our relationship with him. Verse 46, he says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do the things that I say? I will show you what someone is like who comes to me, hears my words, and acts on them. He's like the one building a house who dug deep, laid the foundation on the rock. When the flood came, the river crashed against the house, and it couldn't shake it because the house was well built. But the one who hears and does not act is like the one who built the house on the ground without a foundation. The river crashed against it, and immediately it collapsed, and the destruction of that house was was great. There are a lot of people. There are a lot of people who, who claim Jesus as Lord. Yes or no? But sometimes you have to wonder when you see what they're doing and what they're saying. That gets that can get dicey because that, then that again leads into judgmental attitudes and all that stuff. But there are a lot of people who claim Jesus as Lord but are not following. You see, it's one thing to say Jesus is Lord and Jesus saves and Jesus is good and great and He is all of those things, right? But it's a completely different thing to follow after Jesus, the crucified Messiah that calls us to cross-bearing and obedience. And that's where it gets tough. You see, this is, what, this is the life that Jesus calls his followers to. It's not an easy life, but I think it's the best life possible. I think there's a difference between easy and best. What is easy is not often best. It's not enough just to listen to Jesus. We also must act. We obey. You see, building on the rock, the rock is Jesus. Building on the rock is to obey. Building on the rock means, hey, okay, well, what are we building? What are we, what's our house made of? Well, it's about self-examination and making sure I'm, my life is right with Jesus. It's about knowing how to deal with others in my relationships, even the people that I have disagreements with and don't get along and maybe can't stand. It's about recognizing that my circumstances might be tough right now, but I'm holding on to Jesus, and I know that in the end, He wins, and He's going to set things to rights. That's what building on the rock means. But it's more than just hearing those things. It's doing, it's acting. It's having more than a, a, a verbal faith or that intellectual assent. It's putting that faith into action. 
and trusting Him. Building on the sand is to merely pay lip service to Jesus. It's the person who comes in on a Sunday morning and says, yes, amen, and then goes out on Monday and curses someone and hurts and lies and gossips and steals and slanders and says all kinds of stuff. That's to build on the sand. That's not listening to Jesus. That's building on the sand. You see, life is going to eventually hit hard. If it hasn't hit you hard already, you know it's coming. If you don't, prepare yourself because it is coming because life smacks hard. Okay? And when life hits you hard, man, your foundation is really going to matter. But if you've built on Jesus, then you can withstand. Now then, you might get some bricks knocked out. Your faith struggle, you have a slip here or there. But you're anchored to the rock. But if you're not, if you're just paying, and when I say you're, understand, I'm including myself in this too. If we're just paying lip service to Jesus, sort of weekend warriors, so to speak, or things are good here, or maybe online we build ourselves up, make ourselves up, look really spiritual. When life hits hard, it is going to wipe us out. And I've seen it happen a lot of times because people were not anchored to Jesus. They were anchored to what? Riches. Comfort. Being full. Having good circumstances in life. Maybe that's what Jesus is really talking about. No matter what our circumstances are, hold on to Jesus. And so the point that I would make this morning is this, is that to be like Jesus, we must listen to Jesus and we must also act like Jesus. Does that make sense? That's what it means to be a follower of Christ, not just to listen and hear. I mean, if we're going to be like Jesus, well, it means we learn from Him. We listen to Him. We let Him instruct us and change us and give us life. And then we go and be like Him. We are salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. That's, that's what it means to be a follower of Christ. It's not easy to follow Jesus. In this series, it's, it's not going to be easy. I mean, we could look at all the miracle stories and all of the, the, the great things, the healings and the, and the feedings, and we have done that, and there's some great things we can learn from it. But sometimes, you know what? We just need to get back to Jesus and His teachings because in the world we live in, what we need more than anything, what we need more than anything is for Jesus to show us how to live and function in our world. Yes or no? That's what we need. That's what we'll hold on to. And so maybe, maybe you know, this stuff is, has hit hard today because it's hit me hard this week as I've read it. I mean, Jesus, he doesn't pull any punches. He just jumps right into it. He says, yeah, wake up because this is what it means to follow me. Maybe you've not been living that way. Okay, I look at a text like this and I see some blind spots in my life. I see some holes there that I need Jesus to, to correct me in and he's doing so. Maybe there's some places like that in your life. 
maybe your circumstances are getting the best of you and you're thinking, well, I'm just, everything's, life is terrible, I'm just ready to give this up. Jesus is saying, hold on, hold on, take joy, you're blessed in these trials, your reward is great in heaven and that's the goal, that's what we're trying to get. Or maybe you're, you're locked up and you're so worried about your own comfort that you don't see anybody else or anything else, you don't see the needs around you. And so you're taking care of yourself and you got the good life and you got all these possessions and that's great and that's good. And if, if God's blessed you that way, then great. But don't let that be the end of your faith because when that stuff gets wiped out, guess what? What are you going to have? Don't let your faith be anchored in those things. Let it be anchored in the rock, in Jesus. And so if you've been focusing so much on that that you've missed the other things, then guess what? It's time to come back. It's time to re-anchor to the rock. Or maybe you've got somebody in your life that is just driving you crazy. Just, you, just, you see them, they, they bring pain, they bring hurt, they bring discomfort, they bring aggravation in your life. You're not sure how to deal with them and your response is to ignore them, cut them off, say bad things about them, feel hatred towards them. And I'll tell you, I'll confess, I have felt almost to the point of hating someone before because of what they did. We have to love those people. Love them, and not only love them, we have to do good. You saw that, right? It's not just about loving. Now, and I'm way over time. Let me say this real quick about loving our enemies. It's very different from loving our family or from loving our spouse. You know, we talk about falling in love with a spouse. Okay, it just sort of happens organically, and it comes about, and it grows. It's completely different from that. This is the love of the will. Okay, to love an enemy, you, you don't fall in love with an enemy. That takes an act to love an enemy. Okay? And guess what? We cannot love an enemy unless Jesus has dealt with us. Unless we've examined our life, let Jesus deal with us and making sure we are anchored to that rock. These are the teachings of Jesus. These are the challenging things that he is calling us to. And I got news. It's not going to get any easier. But nothing good is ever really easy. Jesus doesn't call us to an easy life. He calls us to a life of cross-bearing. If you found yourself dealing with all of that stuff and need to make some changes, start right now. Start today. Repent. Bring it back to Jesus. Jesus, get the junk out of my life so that I can love others the way that I need to. I can stop complaining about my circumstances. I can be focused on you. You can fill me up and I can reattach myself to you. If you need to do that, do it today. Don't wait do that today. Just come and say, "Just I need Jesus. Give me Jesus. Nothing else. Nothing more. Just Jesus. If you're ready to give your life to him in baptism, do that today by saying, give me Jesus. Nothing else, nothing more. Give me Jesus. I'm ready to surrender my life to him. But don't go away carrying a burden. Don't go away struggling with, with some of this stuff because... 
You cannot navigate this world that we're living in right now. You cannot navigate this world without putting these things into play in your life. If we can help you, if we can serve you, if we can pray for you, if we can baptize you into the precious name of Jesus today, why don't you come while we stand and while we sing?